0: This is Paul Wilson and Chris Hemke, and you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, Chris, we got a great show today. We're going to have on an awesome guest. We got Manfred uh, from Longhorn Fab Shop. Yeah,
1: he's been on the podcast a couple times before. He has so, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. We,
0: we love having Manfred on. Uh, I've uh, had a chance to talk with him several times in the past. Get to meet him. Got to check out some of his products. Uh, We used his traction bars back on uh, some of our emissions-equipped sled pulling trucks. I've been using
1: his traction bars on a lot of uh, different customer builds. Um, I like giving customers options. Sure. Um, One of the cool things with Longhorn is usually they're like a couple days and you have them. Yeah, in hand so that's cool you don't get a ton of crazy colors and whatnot, not but uh, really good craftsmanship really good fitment um, really cool looking bars so
0: absolutely uh, but yeah we're going to talk a lot about some of the other really cool <laughs> <Crazy> products <laughs> and, and <laughs> projects that he's involved with uh, so yeah so we're really excited for that of course we're going to hear from our super tech Jeremy Garnett awesome. uh, for our in the shop segment and then Chris what do we got from Calibrated Power from you today man just an, another crazy week of of build up
1: and set up. We have several new turbos that we're going to be going live with over the next month or two. Yeah. Um, so you've been doing a great job in the media department trying to sneak out and leak out some info. <laughs> so I'm dealing with everyone asking questions about the turbo and not giving out too much info.
0: Oh, that's good. We're talking about the 351 yep. VE. We have a stealth turbo that's coming up. Um, Here is what, Here's what I can say, and here's what I'm sure you've been telling everybody. Yeah. We can tell you there is a turbo.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. I and we can tell you that it's going to be awesome. I can, and we can tell you that it's not ready right now.
1: I can tell you that there are turbos <laughs> coming. Uh, I can tell you that I've personally been testing them for the last year. Yep, <laughs> um, we have a really good recipe. I, I'm really really excited.
0: Um, yeah, this is something you're, you your so we we've talked so much on the show about twin kits and we they ripped the twin kit off of your truck yeah. to put on a single turbo. Um, just overall now that now that we're at a final production unit. Uh, what do you think, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about going from twins to a single? So the the compounds were really, really
1: good. You know, I'm not gonna sit there and say anything negative in the drivability category, uh, category at all. They're phenomenal, yeah. Um, but the serviceability was horrible. The right. fitment was super tight. Um, doing oil changes because of all the added piping, it was right in front of where your oil filter is. Sweet. So it was a total nightmare. Um, <laughs> And the there were times where depending on the temperature and depending on how I was driving the truck, you'd get the rattles on the frame with the with the downpipe and stuff. And there's just there's not a lot of room, right? Yeah. Um, and what I can say about the single turbo was I was nervous at first. I know what some of the drop in variable vane turbos on the market drive like currently, and yeah. that's what I wasn't looking forward to. Um, but I can say we've had we had four different turbos on the truck uh, from last March into until about maybe three months ago. Um, every uh, rendition got a little better. Um, <laughs> and we we have a lot of data. So I mean, we have a lot of data off of that truck. I, I put over fifty thousand miles on the compounds, um, making big boost numbers, towing, daily driving, sled pull, drag race. you name it, the truck did it. Yeah, now going into a single turbo, with the same platform, same fuel system, same trans, same everything, and being able to back up a similar number on less boost, okay, <laughs> less drive pressure, um, was was really humbling to see that, right? Because yeah. that that makes sense that we are moving in the right direction. Um, but the drivability, man. I, honestly, I can't say that much was lost there either. So you still get very good response down low. You get a real broad mid-range, um, and I've limited my truck's power output by the fueling, right? So I, I have more air on top. So um waiting another month for the weather to break and go grab the boat out of storage and hook it up and start playing around with some towing. Yeah, but, see what this uh, thing. Yeah, see what it
0: does in the real world. Overall, I love it.
1: overall, man, it, it drives it drives really, really well. So I think. uh on behalf of everyone here and my my existing customers and current customers i think everyone's going to be really happy
0: yeah yeah, I, I'm with you there. This is one I know we're really excited for. We're getting ready to shoot some product video on it here yep. in the in the next few weeks. Um, guys, do want to give you a reminder, we did release early information. Uh, this is the first place we have released it, um, except maybe a notice to our dealers. Uh, we are doing a March tuning madness sale.
1: Yeah, super excited about that, the too.
0: The entire month of yep. March, uh, we're going to knock 15% off on your L5P tuning calibrations, your EasyLink, link and your uh, EFI Live all those you're going to see a 15% off break uh, so really really excited for that that's coming up real quick for you yep. gonna run March 1st to March 31st of course so we'll do it for the whole month
2: increase the durability line pressure and performance of the Allison transmission in your GM 6.6 liter Duramax LML and L5P with the XDP EPC solenoid fuller plug from the factory The EPC solenoid increases line pressure up to 230 psi during shifting. Once the shift is complete, the pressure drops back down to 80 psi. At 80 psi of line pressure, your Allison cannot hold the added stress from aftermarket upgrades or heavy towing. The XDP EPC solenoid fooler fixes this issue by installing onto the solenoid and back into the valve body. This lets your transmission effectively operate at 230 PSI all the time. This eliminates clutch slipping, poor shifting, and extends transmission life. To find out more about the XDP EPC solenoid fuller plug, check out xdp.com or find a local dealer near you.
0: You guys know today's other sponsor is Exergy Performance. And today we're talking about the Winter Blend Fuel Additive. Now this is SKU numbers E0900014 and also 00016. Uh, it depends on what size bottle you want. This supports all diesel vehicles. So if you're listening to the show, you presumably will want to perk up here and go grab yourself some of this stuff. Chris and I are right now under the way on doing some testing with it ourselves. Exergy Performance Diesel Additive Winter Blend provides the ultimate in protection and longevity for the diesel injectors and fuel pumps by increasing the fuel's lubricity to exceed the recommendations of the engines manufacturers association and provides exceptional protection against corrosion. The Winter Blend chemically alters diesel fuel to ensure engines remain operable in freezing climates by reducing paraffin wax precipitation. Cold starts, fuel economy, and power are also improved by increasing the diesel fuels, cetane by up to five points, and cleaning internal components. Also, we always want to give our shout out to another one of our sponsors, is WC Fab, that's Whirly Custom Fabrication. Today we're talking about their 2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax four-inch intake kit with airbox. Uh, This is WCF100344. The WCFAB 2017 to 2019 GM L5P 6.6 liter Duramax four inch intake kit and airbox is the high flow fabricated aluminum intake pipe and airbox enclosure with dry filter assembly that replaces the restrictive plastic factory parts on your diesel. This will improve your overall engine performance. This all-new design significantly increases airflow to your turbo, producing improved horsepower and torque, quicker throttle response, and cooler intake temperatures by drawing cold air through the ram air duct and inner fender. Their all-aluminum construction features a large diameter 4-inch piping with smooth aerodynamic bends to improve intake air velocity, volume, and provide more aggressive engine and turbo sound during acceleration. High-quality hardware, silicone boot, seals, and stainless steel T-bolt clamps enclosures are optimum for durability with ease of installation. The removable airbox lid allows for easy visual inspection and maintenance of your WC Fab filter with included hydrophobic pre-filter cover. This will help keep your MAF sensor, turbo, and engine airways contaminant free. The critical Ram air duct seal has been moved to the bottom of the hood for a clean engine compartment appearance. Full assembly finished in your choice of WC Fab signature custom powder coat colors for a look that's unique to your truck. This installs easily with basic hand tools, does not require any additional tuning, and is completely bolt-on, and it'll fit with no other required modifications. It is not compatible with the WC Fab intake resonator pipe. Um, Chris... One of the other things I think that is really, really fun that we do on the show is taking a look at our knowledge base over at Duramax Tuner. Yeah. Guys, it's it's basically a great place for instructions, quick answers to questions, um, detailed how-tos, and, and step-by-step guides and tutorials. If you haven't checked it out, you can, of course, check out DuramaxTuner.com. Go to the top, you'll see the learn more and just click on the knowledge base. One,
1: one of the things, Paul, I want to touch on is it's it's general knowledge on the tuning hardware that we work with. Yeah. So I've had guys that have had like PPEI tuning or other various competitors that we work with in the EFI or the E-C-Link space. Um, and that's still an outlet for those customers or those guys to Absolutely. be able to look at. So. We do it as a general knowledge base, like we say, because it's general knowledge on the product, right? There's nothing specific to EFI Live as a hardware and EasyLink as a hardware. It's the tuning itself that the tuning company provides. Yeah, so it's it's a huge outlet, I think, for guys that. You know, the first time doing it, it's confusing, you know, and sometimes <laughs> written instructions, you know, it gets a little tough. You need to read it in a, in a different way sure, um, or have somewhat of a visual, you know, at the same time. So, you know, all the guys, they did a great job with that stuff over the last couple of years.
0: Absolutely. We are evolving that segment we have been having on Sean Lynn to yeah. read a knowledge base article. Uh, we're going to change that up, make that a little bit more fresh, a little bit more exciting of a segment. It's still going to come at the very end of the show, uh, but stay tuned because next up is an awesome awesome conversation that we're, we're going to have with Manfred from Longhorn Fab Shop. Manfred, how the hell are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for asking. So today, uh, Manfred, we got you on the show so we could talk a little bit about Longhorn Fab Shop, some of the products you guys got going on, some of the projects you've been involved with. Uh, I know you've been on the show to tell us about how you got started in diesel performance. Tell us a little bit more about uh, how, your, how Longhorn Fab Shop has changed over the last kind of three to five years here.
3: Yeah, so we've been hot and heavy on traction bars and truck parts, razor parts, and things like that. Uh, we have a small truck service shop down here as well in one of the buildings. And uh, a few years ago, they were needing an engine stand because they were tired of the harbor freight engine stands and then they would buy in a more expensive harbor freight engine stand from a catalog that wasn't labeled harbor freight <laughs> and they got tired of every time i mean have you ever hung a 7-3 off an engine stand and it says it's rated for like two thousand 000 pounds the well, back of the 7-3 is mounted to the engine stand and the front bell housing is or the front harmonic balancer is like touching the ground i mean i don't you know not you on got, a, like a not on a 7 like how many shops Dude, how many shops have a tire underneath a freaking engine in the front to keep it from (laughs) flipping over?
1: As you're saying this, I keep thinking about all the inline motors I've done and how there's not a good engine stand for that stuff and how literally everything sits in a tire. So, yes, 100%. Yep.
0: Oh, yeah. So,
3: they wanted to – they're like, we should buy an engine stand, a good one. So, we're looking around, and there's a huge price gap between – like if you spend two hundred to like eight hundred, you're getting the same Harbor Freight engine stand, it's just packaged differently. And then once you get over like a thousand bucks, you get something like decent. And then um after that the price jump is huge. It's like six, seven thousand dollars.
1: For an engine and stand. So
3: for an engine stand, wow. yeah. I
1: didn't know they got that. So if you get into bit. some some commercial
3: some commercial style ones, industrial style engine stands.
1: Okay.
3: So the plan was, well, we're a fab shop. We'll just build one in-house. We have, uh, I'm an engineer, and we got the fabrication equipment, and all the software, so we'll just build one. And it turned into quite the adventure um, of something we thought would take maybe a couple months, ended up taking a year to figure out the right combination because it turns out rotating things that have a huge um variance and center of gravity turns out to be quite problematic when you try to rotate it or stop it um or what happens if the power goes out and how do you keep that engine from spinning around if someone kicks the cord out from it and we looked at some other ones and when we talked to customers that even were spending the seven or eight thousand dollars they were still disappointed in what they got it still wasn't able to an engine the locking mechanism just wasn't that great Um, to keep the engine from rotating around because the center of gravity on these engines changes drastically as you take parts off of it. So you'd think if I can spin a fully dressed engine, then surely I can spin an engine that has, you know, all the accessories and everything taken off the front of it. And as you tear the motor down, it actually gets harder to spin because the center of gravity moves one direction to the other. And uh, it makes it a lot more difficult. So we started building and testing and different shafts, different gearbox motors, different controls. I had a pile of motors and controls and gearboxes. I would have been better off just buying a stinking engine stand.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Clearly all the R&D ended up working out because 2019, Paul and I are at UCC. We go into your beautiful booth and we see Duramax motors rotating like a rotisserie chicken. So (laughs) clearly it ended up working.
3: (laughs) We finally came, we finally got the right combination. Um, and, uh, so we have them now they're built specifically for us with our specifications, um, we're considered an OEM for that gearbox motor combination. Um, so yeah, so we started selling them, um, at, to a bunch of different shops, actually, um, pure addiction was the, one of the first shops to purchase one. They purchased one off of a picture from a text. <laughs> and uh, he was like, "Shoot me a price. I will take it. Let me know when it's done." And wow. so we got him an awesome price in exchange for he would test it for us. Uh, since they do a bunch of engines out there, and so yeah, Travis Turner bought that first one, prepaid a year early on that <laughs> thing, knowing that so that's some confidence right there that we were gonna that we were gonna come through for him. That's
0: some trust, and yeah. So, uh,
3: oh yeah, and so um, yeah, so then we started building them for different shops. Um, And we had, I think, I think we had seven at PRI last year um, in different booths, so different engine shops. We had one at Suncoast booth. Um, One was spinning that billet motor from Fleece. Uh, We had one in Rottler's booth, Um, one up in Myers, or two up in Meijer, I think, one in Premier. So we had them all over the
0: place. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean that, that shows that there is quite a bit of demand there. Um tell us a little bit more. So so it, it rotates everything. You you have a unique gearbox, a unique kind of motor and gearbox setup to it. Um I mean, these things are huge though, aren't they? I mean I mean, isn't it it would it only be like a really high end builder who's doing a lot of engines be somebody who like would actually be interested in this fancy of an engine stand?
3: Yeah. So that was originally what we thought. We didn't really think about, you know, cross selling it or marketing it in other industries. Um, What we found out is we're kind of open source on the front plate of it. So um, we let people design their own adapters. We'll build custom adapters for it. Uh, We keep them in stock, which is a huge thing. And then um, we sell it's price based off the diesel industry. So we could probably charge two or three times this, what we sell it for in other industries but we kind of use the diesel industry as a baseline of what we feel is a comfortable and fair amount to make on them and a fair price. And that's attracted a lot of industrial um, manufacturing facilities as well. Uh, Companies like SpaceX are using them to build the starships um, that are planned for manned flight to Mars and things like that. So it's been crazy to see um, all the pictures of, you know, what people are doing with them and the adapters they're building. And then we're building some adapters for SpaceX. We just ship them the engine stands or they call them, we call them industrial rotators when they go to um, like industrial facilities. We set the, the controls up a little bit different when they go to an industrial facility. So it's cool to be able to build the different components and the adapters and the, and the rotators. And then we send them out there and then you get to watch the launches. And then we get all the privy information of, what they're actually building on them so when you watch the launch like you know you have a part in like that specific part your machines are being used to assemble it so it's really cool that's so so crazy that was a
1: really subtle way to you know lead into spacex how did how did that whole thing come about like can you give us a little background like how does someone in the diesel industry tunes diesels with EFI live at one point is really heavy in traction bars you know, long, longhorn fab end up having an opportunity to work with spacex
0: did you tweet elon i, get, I thought about it i've been hashtagging <laughs> him like crazy but it's nothing nothing so
3: far and i don't know how their books go but i could really like at this point i'm i'm really starting to feel like maybe we could just like do like tesla credits or like bitcoin now that he owns a bunch of bitcoin <laughs> You know, and then I can just trade that in for a Tesla. So I'm not really sure how that works. You know, maybe we could do our own crypto in like engine stands, like eight engine stands is a Tesla, like four more engine stands is ludicrous mode gets unlocked. Like, well, not where, I'm not sure where it's going, but I think it's got definite potential.
0: Right, right. That seems like the logical path based on the fact that you started off making traction bars and had really fancy packaging for them. So, yeah. so this whole- all. <laughs> This, I totally would have guessed this a few years back. No, but yeah, but Chris yeah, near, makes a good exactly. point. How, how the hell do they find you? I, I mean, industrial rotators. Does that mean, like, your engine stands or your industrial rotators are are being used on the assembly line?
3: Yeah, so when they build um, components for the Starship, um, which are the big silo, silver silo-looking rockets that they're testing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There are components inside that that have to be rotated in order to assemble them and so they make um adapters for the rotators we make adapters for them and send them with the rotators and then they bolt it on there and since it's adjustable speed reversible foot pedal controlled they can roll it around um they can um they can actually you know use it to assemble equipment and and parts that are getting bolted onto the starship for them
0: wow that is insane. It, it is, is really, crazy. really wild to think of, too, is we've been building rockets as a society for a little while. Yeah. yeah. The fact that they, they still oh, yeah. had a need for a new industrial <laughs> rotator right. and, like, even Tesla was like, this seems like a really stupid project. Has anybody else spent a lot of time doing it? And then they found man. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> he used to do lope tunes.
0: <laughs> it was crazy because I'm, I'm driving in the car like... I was in the, um,
3: I was in the car headed to Michigan with my family and it was like the first vacation I'd taken like five years. And so we're like, you know what, we're going to Michigan. We're going to go snowmobiling, hang out with some college friends and their family and just have like this nice relaxing, um, this nice relaxing weekend. It's like right on my birthday. And so I was driving up to Michigan. It's like eight o'clock at night and like everyone's starting to drift off, go to sleep or doze off paying, not paying attention. And I'm like I'm getting tired too and bored of driving and I get an email on my phone and it says uh it was it was like uh quote for two oh one oh five two C, which is our product lo- code for the engine sand. And then it was like estimated uh, lead time, expedited shipping, uh please provide quote ASAP. And you know when you get these emails, you're like, Oh my gosh, like it's another freaking uh wanted me to ship it some overseas country they want me to, a- to accelerate the shipping they don't want to pay any type of like verified currency or invoice you know <laughs> and it's it's really you get them all the time and when it's real specific like they want i want this and i want it shipped this way and i yeah. want you to pay for shipping and it has to it has to ship monday and i was like whatever and i like browse through it and i was just kind of like just grunt a little about it. i was like oh my gosh here we go again And so I, like, saw it come up on my screen, and I swiped down. And as soon as I swiped down, it said, like, the person's name, and then underneath it, SpaceX. And I was
0: like, (laughs) pull over. Wake up, family. SpaceX. We made it. I
3: was like, what's what's going on? I was like, I got to answer this email. And so I sent him back an email, and it was was crazy because I had just finished – listening to the audiobook of the biography on Musk and uh, about like space and all that stuff. And how, uh, how under the gun those guys are as far as project timelines and there's no excuse for a late project and things like that. Yeah. And so I sent back and I was like, Hey, here's a deal. Like it's a six week lead time on these, um, right now. Like that was back before we were stocking them or anything. And I was like, but I was like, I have this blue one that went to, uh, uh diesel the diesel show, which was UCC. And, uh, I was like, it's never been used in industry, but it's rotated for a couple weekends and, um, you know, I'll give you a discount on it, but I can ship that one on Monday. And, uh, I got an email back and it was like, perfect. Here's our credit card, charge it and, and expedite it to us. Jesus. And so I know it was crazy. And so I <laughs> ship it out there and they were excited about it, but there's always like, there's always this huge, um like not necessarily nervousness but you're always there's always anxiety when you're shipping into a new customer especially of items course. like this because your expectations for yourself are really high um you, you obviously know their expectations are super high um and anytime you're sitting into a new industry you don't under you don't always understand exactly you know what their expectations are and things like that so we've always tried to build them you know this is the one one of the products where we really got to go above and beyond and and not be apologetic for the price and say, this is the best unit that we can build. Um, and we put our heart and soul into designing it and testing it and selling it and making it. And, and it was cool that when they got it, like it goes through, um, they have like a separate process It goes into like a receiving and then it gets distributed out. Um, to the different areas out there and so when they finally got it like they sent an email back and they're like wow this is a really well-built uh, machine like we're so excited to be able to use this this is exceeds our expectations of other products we've bought in the past and stuff like that so that was really like validating for us as a company to send something out there um, when you know that their standards are like sending humans into space, like the standards are pretty freaking high. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: not, not high enough to not buy used shit. What's it's right, like they went right. on to Facebook Marketplace and found this right, crap? Right. What the hell? <laughs> no,
3: of course that's oh, amazing. Dude. So yeah, so to come to find out after talking to them and stuff like that, um, they end up it was they end up finding it on Instagram, like just randomly someone was into razors or diesel trucks and. It had come up in conversation, and someone was like, "Oh, I know, I know a shop that was building these," and that was it.
0: That's Dude. amazing. People buy from people, man. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just one that's of those true. realities, right? It's yeah. like, like you said, there was somebody who worked there who was like scrolling, scrolling what on Instagram or liked what on Instagram <laughs> to randomly yeah. come across and see because you guys have a cool social media feed, yeah. um, but it's mostly trucks. I, I mean, from what I've yeah. seen. Yeah. Right. So, like, scrolling past it and being like. Oh, I saw this engine stand that rotates. It's and so I pa- badass. I paid attention enough yeah. to that out of whatever my social media feed is, and it's
1: going to turn our rockets to be like, no, 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 this is cool. <laughs>
0: we'll use this here. Like, hey, buddy. Yeah. I mean, to that guy, we love you. Um, exactly. That, that's exactly. so awesome. So, so where, as you've as you've been developing the engine stand, and I noticed, kind of since the engine stand, we've seen more and more of of a draw to you guys in the industrial applications. Um, are, are you, do you feel like the company's moving away from diesel performance or is it, is it just growing and other segments are, are growing more rapidly?
3: Um, it's since we've had almost no presence in the industrial part, that part's been growing really rapidly. Um, but the cool part is, and um, like you'll see some other companies as well, it happens the same way is that the, when you grow the industrial part of it, when you have these steady industrial, um, products, um, it really gives you the buying power to make the diesel products come to market faster with higher quality. So okay. we just, we've got our um, professional grade rod ends and our professional grade traction bars, which were always the highest. Um, like we always bought them like the most expensive rod ends that were kind of available um, with that volume. Um, There's like one other rod end that is uh, a lot more expensive generally. Um, And it is, it's kind of the up and coming thing. And we've never had the buying power to be able to make a transition into that. And so then as our other side of this business grows, it gives us a lot of capital. So now um, we just got in a huge shipment of these rod ends that we've, and we were able to purchase them at a volume that it wasn't a cost increase to the customers and then we were offering any customer that already had our pro grades and wanted to upgrade to this new style pro grade, they could get them at 50% off. Oh my. Wow. That's and awesome. so, and so it's, it's cool because it really helps both industries. The diesel parts, um, give us the like retail side of it where you get, when you sell something to an industrial customer, if they never find a flaw, you never know there's an issue because you're only sending them one two, ten 10 a year, maybe 20 of something a year. Um, and you don't really you don't really find those like high volume issues that you find when you sell a retail or a consumer grade product. And so with diesel parts, like you're sending out thousands of traction bars out there <laughs> and people will nitpick and they'll oh, yeah. find faults and they'll they'll you'll have damaged shipments and you'll send freight that gets damaged. And you'll send I mean, you, you just run into all these issues, boxing. How do you palletize? Um, and it's just the sheer volume of it, just by sheer terrible luck, sometimes you're going to get stuff <laughs> destroyed or people are going to find a fault or there's going to be something in the manufacturing process um, that, you know, you don't catch till it gets to a customer. And so that part of it really helps the industrial side, because then we build everything on the industrial side as if it was going, you know, as if we're making thousands of these and it's going to consumers and they're going to nitpick it apart. And, you know, the paint, that's one thing like. They're like, wow, they're painted so well. I'm like, well, we got to deal with people on a daily basis that complain (laughs) about if the paint's not perfect. On a traction bar that's going to have a rock (laughs) chip. Yeah, they're like, we're going to step on all this anyway. Like, I don't know why you put such a nice paint job on these. And, like, we rivet stainless logos onto the rotators and all that stuff. And they're like, oh, man, this is, like, so above and beyond. And for us, like, being in this, doing this for, like, 10 years now in the diesel industry, like, it's pretty standard. Like, riveted on logos, stainless logos. You know, pretty powder coating, um, dealing with UPS, FedEx, you know, yeah. LTL freight, getting destroyed like that's just a normal thing, you know. <laughs> so it really it really helps both ways. And then the industrial guys, I mean they they put the vault, they put the um they put the hours on them. You know, even if you a guy's building one or two engines a a week, even um, isn't really that many rotations. Uh, like when we spin an engine at UCC. It's about a weekend of rotations at UCC is about 15 years of engine building
2: oh, when it comes wow. to the
3: number of rotations it sees. Yeah, <laughs> so they don't really – but then on the on the converse side, like SpaceX, it runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
1: Oh, my
0: gosh. Jesus God. Christ. Yeah. Now, is there so like an- – Oh,
1: it's just – is there an overhaul for these? Like, you know, have you had to like take them in and do like an overhaul on, on the pump or on the motor or whatever it is, or like you've been good so far?
3: Yeah. So far we've been good. What they, we underrate what that motor is actually capable of. Okay. And we can, we can control that in the actual drive unit. Oh, wow. Um, that the actual electronics that drive that gearbox, um, and so for the industrial applications, those they get opened up a little bit more because they it, they're buying it for a very specific rating and that once they get it, it's up to them to decide how they use it, the speeds they use, um, stuff like that. But our that assembly comes with um it's a lifetime warranty on the structure and it's five years uh on the gearbox motor and drive. Wow. Unconditional.
0: That's crazy. That's especially for running because because like you said you start to think about it and you're like well do rotations equal where and you're like well on on probably the most critical components yes um but I, i do have some questions as i start to think about some of the problems you mentioned earlier in the show was like how do you get it to not just free spin if it's unplugged um can you talk a little bit about like what makes the engine stand unique like how you were able to solve some of those problems with this yeah so a big
3: thing um, a lot of people use worm gear drives on them and the worm gear drive depends on a pretty much a brass worm inside holding up they're almost all brass and if they get into any sort of bind it gets really hard to rotate them Um, and so we went to a completely separate drive system that doesn't have that inherent break that a worm gear has but it gets rid of all the issues that you have with worm gear drives as far as wear as far as the, um, the binding that happens with that worm because it's spread between two bearings and it can flex and bend and then it has issues there. So we went to a completely separate system but doesn't then have that inherent um, uh, braking system that a worm gear has because of the way it's designed. So ours actually has a, an electromagnetic brake that defaults to the brake position. So it actually takes electricity to disengage the magnetic brake on it so if you're rotating this around and you let off the foot pedal um the foot pedal is also what we would consider a dead man switch so if you get hung up in this engine where it picks you up off the ground or snags your pant pocket and and lifts you up off the ground it's gonna pull your foot off this pedal and that automatically engages the electromagnetic brake and it releases it um, and there's friction clutches in there uh, almost kind of like a lawnmower but in reverse sure um and so when the le- same thing happens when the electric goes out. If you're working on this thing or you're underneath it, which you're not supposed to be, but we know that people look underneath with a flashlight trying to look up in the engine underneath it, um, and the power goes out. You don't want that thing spinning around and smacking you in the face. Um, and so, that, that's so we have this braking system in there
0: as a fail safe. That's so cool. That's, that's wild. Isn't isn't that Chris? That's one of those problems where where like you mentioned when you're developing a product, you start off with this really simple idea of I'm going to solve this problem, right? Like I need an engine stand that's oh, yeah. better than Harbor Freight, but doesn't cost me $8,000. Well, like
1: like what was right. mentioned in the yeah. beginning of this interview, most diesel shops, like smaller diesel shops that I, I deal with and I, I know, like I said, do motor builds. It is a Harbor Freight engine stand and a fucking tire underneath it. Like, that is the norm, right? 100%. And then here comes Manfred, like, oh, I'm going to build something fucking badass, but I'm going to make it super safe. (laughs) And now, like, he's telling us some things. And, like, what you just asked him about, like, the failsafe, you know, with with how everything moves. Like, I wouldn't have even thought of that but I would have been the asshole with my head underneath it looking up, (laughs) getting fucking smacked in the head, right? So it's just, it is mind-blowing to me the amount of technology that has gone into something that you you pretty much created, like you you created a, a specific channel to the market, and there was a necessity, and to a point where, for myself, I didn't even think there was such a necessity. But now as we talk about it, it's a big fucking deal. Like, how did it take this long to get this,
2: <laughs>
3: you know? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, no, I'm wild. with you. And we're, I mean, we caught the same slack. You know, we talked to, we try to, you know, put together some sort of panel or talk to people or just bring it up in ca- casual conversation. And there there were a lot of people that were like, no one's ever going to buy that. <laughs> like, we have, like, we're just fine with putting it on a tire. And, I, and, he, and I, it used to really get to me where I was like, what? you know, like, I was going to try to convince them. Like, you know what? Your tire sucks,
2: you know. (laughs) Fuck your tire.
3: (laughs) But if a person if a person sees this and they're using a harbor freight tire and a or a harbor freight stand and a tire and they see this and say, That's shit, there's nothing I can say. Like if you can't see that your Harbor Freight engine stand and your tire setup is insufficient, dangerous, and um Is an opening for poor quality. There's nothing I can say to you that's going to change your mind.
1: Well, that goes. That's the truth. As I'm getting older, and I experience things like you, you, you're going to be able to relate to this, Manfred. Like when you used to tune trucks oh, well, I could buy an Edge tuner for a third of the price. Okay, well, don't go do that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, my bad. But once you drive a truck with a custom tune, right, that's more expensive and you experience that, now that's the new norm. That's what you have to have. I'm not going to hook up, you know, 10,000 pounds behind an old, you know, early 90s or late 80s pickup truck in tow. I'm going to hook up to a newer truck that has a, a more dense frame, better braking. I want those attributes of what I'm more familiar with or what I'm comfortable with. And that's kind of the same right. thing with the engine stand. You can use a tire in the Harbor Freight stand, but once you see and actually experience a, a better option or something that's going to cater to you uh, to do your job better, it just makes right. everything that much more of a necessity, is, in, in my opinion. All right? I mean, that, that, that's yeah. what this is. Oh, yeah, 100%.
0: Yeah, I think it, it it reminds me of one of those like when we look back at how we used to do things, Chris. Like I, I think I yeah, remember a story from you of it's like like, of like all, it's oh I evolution. used to tear I used to tear a twelve valve apart with you know a, a five gallon bucket full of six tools, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like yeah. Okay, we did do that. I did
1: do that. Yeah, but,
0: but we don't do that I don't anymore. Do that no more. And, and I, I wonder right. about like engine stands, and even like when we start to think about like putting traction bars on our truck yeah. and, and doing other basic necessities with our trucks, um, they just become second nature after a while, where yeah. we're just like, this is now the minimum acceptable standard. Yeah. So that, that's really what, what right. I want to ask my last question to you, Manfred, is what's next? I'm already over this. Damn. Uh, Manfred,
1: um, just tell Paul that you're over him, okay?
4: It's <laughs> old dude. It's old dude. <laughs>
3: well we're looking at we're looking at a larger engine stand believe it or not um which is largely driven by the heavy duty guys um the c13 style engines that size um the ones that are coming out of a lot of like we looked at it and and with the semis and stuff like that those got a lot of those guys in frame them so we weren't really sure if there was a market for it um but the more we got talking with construction uh they're not in framing excavators they all come out wow so there's no room to work and so they're pulling those motors out and doing them um so we have a we have a larger one designed we just need a customer that wants like 10 of them to justify
1: making it (laughs) (laughs) for all you listeners out there
3: (laughs) for all of you listeners who have the buying power uh, yeah yeah. It's heavy. It's heavy duty enough. Like it comes with crane hooks. So wow, that's, that's a, that's going to be a huge thing for us. Um, we just got ISO 9001 certified, which is a big deal for us. That opens up a lot of opportunities and projects that we weren't eligible to bid on before, especially when you're doing, um, defense work and things like that. And then there's a tiering system, um, that we've found out that once you're selling like into the aerospace industry, Um, you're only allowed to bid on certain tiered projects according to what your certifications are. And so that helps us, positions us to be, um, we can sell, we can make aerospace quality parts and sell them at like a diesel market price, (laughs) which which they've found is very intriguing. So um, that's huge. And anything we can do to expand the business is going to help the the diesel side, like we talked about before, Um, just having the sheer buying power, um, the machines, equipment, Um, When you can have machines being paid for by one industry and they can also knock off some some parts into another industry, it really lets you expand quicker um, and more efficiently.
0: And and in the end, the consumer benefits on both sides. That's so cool. Super cool. I'm so excited. Uh, Manfred, anybody you want to give a shout out to today? Yeah, definitely. So uh, my wife and I own Longhorn, but she's the one that keeps us in business for sure. Um,
3: she keeps track of all the money around this place and, and all our production scheduling and purchasing and stuff like that. So all these projects, anyone that enjoys the engine stands or other products can thank her. She makes all this stuff uh, possible here. And then we have uh, Colton that does a lot of the welding and Cody does a lot of welding and machining here. Um, they've both been an integral part and uh, always willing to to step it up. So I appreciate their help um, as well. So
0: Well, that's awesome, man. Well, Manfred, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you sharing our time with us. uh, And I know our listeners are going to love this episode. Guys, uh, make sure you give Manfred some good feedback either over on the Longhorn Fab Shop Facebook page, Instagram page, or, of course, tag him in any of our posts over there on the Fans of Diesel Performance Facebook group. Uh, Guys, make sure you also stick around. Chris, don't forget we got another segment coming up from Jeremy Garnett in the shop. Jeremy Garnett, how the hell are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Uh, Jeremy, of course, is our super tech here for our, our in the shop segment. Jeremy, I know you got a great truck for us today. What are we talking about?
4: Oh, we got an 06 Cummins. Ooh,
0: hoo, hoo, favorite. Yeah. All right, all right. What happened to the Cum Dog?
4: Our truck was potentially on its way here for some noise uh, coming from the CP3 area. And on his way here, he believes he blew a head gasket.
0: No. What made him think he blew a head gasket?
4: Uh, started seeing uh, coolant temps rise, uh, coolant dripping on the ground, uh. and overheating. And, yeah.
0: Oh, that's brutal. Brood, you're on your way to the shop for yeah. one thing, which you already think is probably not going to go great. Right? <laughs> R- noise from your CP3 area is not a good thing. Uh, and then on the way, you're like, oh, great, the sweet smell of coolant and no heat in my truck. <laughs> right. Wonderful. I wonder what this could be. And it's a come in, so you're like, I wonder what this could be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. All right. Truck shows up. Where are we at today with it?
4: Well, at this point, we needed to uh, just to figure out what was going on with this overheating problem. You right. Know, let's so what we did is we got the approval. We went ahead and pulled the head and just inspected it. Um, he didn't drive on it very long, so it wasn't like he was driving on it for a month and then was like, yeah, I need to get this fixed. So we wanted to see what was gone, if it was just a bad head gasket or something internal. Yeah. So we went ahead and we pulled the head, and on number six cylinder, we, now we see scoring on the cylinder wall and then a lot of soot inside that cylinder.
0: Uh, now that that's a a, a pretty well known edgi- indicator of some massive problems. Why don't you fill in our listeners on what we're looking at when we see that?
4: Well, I mean, it could be bad injectors. It could be bad fuel. It could just be uh, overboost. I mean, yeah, you know. So at this point, we just uh, need to get a hold of the customer and see where he wants to go and what he wanted to do.
0: Yeah, because that that's a tough situation. Because now that we're that far into it. it there's only so many options for repair, right? W- which you're looking at at what honing, and and then you're you're not going to put back stock heads, so no. the, you're at the very least can do some basic honing there, um, or I'm sorry, some basic head work there, right. uh, and then and then of course you're going to want to stud it, if not fire ring it, like exactly. like like a lot of our Cummins guys are known to do, um, and then we're still that. That's just the coolant issue. <laughs> right. We still have to figure out what that, that noise, quote, unquote, I'm doing air quotes like right. people can see me on a podcast, air quote noise from the CP3 area was. That could be anything from small to large as well.
4: Exactly. Man,
0: that's a tough situation. Uh, at
4: this point, we're just going to go ahead and we're going to recommend a motor. Yeah. Um. Just He'll almost kill two birds with one stone.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
4: it's it's not worth going any further. Right. So, I mean, we can go any further and then just spend more money, more time. And then come back to the same conclusion and be like, okay, you need a motor. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is that. That's a tough spot when you're in the shop and it, and it's not great news. It's not. Oh, I found something stupid. Right. It's Oh, I found something stupid. <laughs> like, like this. Is, this. Is, this one's going to be rough. All right, man. Well, hey, listen. We've all been there. We, you know, this is a part of the game. This is the the side that's maybe not as much fun. Um, but but you know, it's 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 possible, right? It's right. out there. <laughs> uh, what's our pro tip of the week?
4: Um. Just be aware of the gauges, Uh, temperature gauge. You know, you start seeing smoke or gauges go up. I mean, pull over, let the truck idle, you know, shut the truck down if you have to. I mean, just be cautious and be aware of gauges and what's going on.
0: You know, that's such a good piece of advice. I I laugh uh, way back when I first started here. Nick pregnants uh, from Duramax tuner had this LB7 that he just he was in love with it was like he his first things. Duramax <laughs> it was it was his like special truck they made like 1200 horsepower or something stupid they were like with, like it was such a big deal to them and he hadn't driven it in years when i started it had been parked for like 2 or 3 years and he, and he, he they spent all this time they got it ready and we take it out to the track right when we very first started tuning LMLs so like we were out testing mm-hmm. our brand new version one of beta testing of LML tuning (laughs) and he brought the LB7 with and he raced the LB7 ran the best time it's ever run best it's ever run in its life he ran it down the track parked it and then he jumped in the LML he had his son with him they drove home so (laughs) me and two of the other guys who worked here at the time we drove the LB7 back and I I actually got to drive the truck I had driven it a few times it was no big deal it was a lot of fun great truck except we got about I don't know, 3 miles outside of the track and as soon as it went from 35 to 55, I started rolling on the throttle real easy like and next thing I know, I'm just watching the temp gauge just climb 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 <laughs> climb and I'm going when's it going to stop? when's it going to stop? when's it going to stop? And I start letting my foot out and and this is when I knew we were we were just You're in trouble. <laughs> just hosed is I let my foot out, and I got all the way back down to 30 miles an hour, and the gauge is still climbing. It wasn't climbing as fast, but it was still climbing. I was like, well, that's not going to stop. And, and sure as shit, it didn't. It was done. Uh, we, we had some massive issues. But, uh, but yeah, man, no, that, that's a really good point. Take your time. Watch your gauges. And when you see something starting to happen, it's not to say that you're always going to be able to prevent it. It's not to say that, like, this guy is... Oh, right. if you would have watched your gauges, you could have backed out of it and prevented a head gasket. No, no. <laughs> pro- probably not from what it sounds like. Um, but for a lot of you guys out there, it could be the difference of doing a repair and doing a complete motor swap. Right. And I think that's the important part to keep in mind.
4: Well, this guy here, I mean, it's low truck, nice-looking truck, just you can tell it's been beat.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, man. Hard lives. hard lives. Hard lives. pay hard bills. <laughs> yeah. That's truth. All right, guys. Hey, stick around to the show. We still got more coming at you. All right, guys, thanks for sticking around. Uh, we're working on on kind of molding this this knowledge base segment, so I, I appreciate you listening to the end of the episode and checking these out. We're trying to make them a little bit more exciting. Uh, today, I'm a little short-staffed. Uh, turns out the phones are crazy since we launched Switch on the Fly EFI Live tuning for, or I'm sorry, Switch on the Fly tuning for the L5P. Uh, it is done through HP Tuner, so uh, while the team is tied up with helping all of our customers, I'm going to jump in here and try to try to make this segment still work for our listeners. Uh, today, I pulled up our frequently asked questions. Uh, these are definitely some of the most popular questions that we've had throughout company history. Uh, questions like, "Will a Mac work on? Will a Mac computer work with EFI Live?" Uh, no, uh, there, there is a Windows emulator. Some guys have made it work with that. Uh, but in general, the answer is no. It's, it's a huge pain in the ass if you're not like a total, if you don't totally understand what you're doing. Uh, can I use the Edge Insight CTS to switch tunes? Y- yeah, if you have an LB7 or LLY. Does not work with any other trucks. Um, how do I know my CSP switch is working? On the back of the CSP switch, there's a little indicator light. Uh, it should flash. To in the number of times to indicate the number of the tune you're in. So if it flashes four times, you're in tune number four. Um, does CPS uh, support DPF delete tunes? We don't. That's an easy one. No, 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 thank you. Uh, we haven't done that in a very, very long time, if ever. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, it's just we have so many opportunities to do emissions equipped performance. We don't need to take the risk of deleting DPFs. Uh, it's just unnecessary for us. It has been for a very, very long time. That was one of those obvious ones that uh, that was pretty clear in the industry 10 years ago. So uh, for today, I'm going to kick it back over to myself and Chris, and we'll close out this show. All right, guys, and that's our show today. Uh, thank you so much for listening. This has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Hemke. SpaceX. We, we made it! it.